Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio. I'm Darren Hefty. Got a number of emails that have come in already. We're going to dive into those. If you have a question you'd like to send us via email, it's simple. It's just radio at agphd.com. And our phone lines will be open throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. Oh, it's been fun. I've gotten to travel uh, across North Dakota and South Dakota and Illinois in in this particular week, talking to farmers about some of the things that are going on. And it's been interesting just seeing uh, what a difference the last few weeks have made. Some of these drought areas have actually caught some moisture. And even though it may have been too late for many of the crops, there's still some soybeans out there that could potentially benefit from it. So everyone was pretty optimistic about, you know, even if it didn't benefit this crop, at least we got some moisture in the ground again. And that's good for, for going into the fall, going into next season. And of course, just before we went on air today, I was listening uh, to rural radio here and somebody was saying, man, what if this trend continues and we have a wet harvest? I know this on our farm, our water table is down about eight feet on our river bottom ground. So our low ground we got a lot of water we could have before we'd have a big problem. Now, certainly if you, you get some, some rains, it's, it's a problem for just a short period of time. We got just a quarter inch of rain today and, and it held up silage chopping on the farm just a little bit. But if you dig down in the ground, it's still powdery dry, just a couple inches down. So we've got a ways to go to fill back up. So I don't know how everyone else is. I'm sure there's areas that don't need any more rain or it's going to be a big problem, and and I get that, but I don't. I wouldn't count our farm in that group. I'd say we're we're in we're in good shape. We could take some more moisture, and it won't really hold us up too much. All right, so it is Farmer Friday again. Our phone lines are open at eight four four forty four AG PhD. Start down in Texas. We got Reggie on with us right now. Reggie, how's it going today? It's going good, Darren. We've we've had a a good year. It's been. With weather, it's been very interesting, but we overall had a good year. Okay, so what crops have you got on the farm this year, Reggie, and did any stand out to you? Uh, yeah, we have wheat, corn, and then grass hay. And our wheat is just on the wheat that we got harvested early before all the rain started setting in. We had the best wheat crop we've ever had. It's uh, soft winter wheat, and on one farm we averaged 102 bushels, and on the second farm we averaged 97 bushels. So we and we made some changes to our management practice this year, and I think it really showed up in our yields. All right. So for our non-farm listeners, Reggie, they they don't understand this about how difficult it is for farmers to make any big changes on the farm because you're risking your income every time you do that. So what changes did you make this year that you said, you know what, that really paid off for us and it's something we're going to keep doing going forward? Okay. One is our fertilizer practices prior to planting. We fertilize based on our yield goals on basically the Ag PhD fertilizer removal app and we made a change on that to to fertilize based on our needs for potash as well as for sulfur and then our micronutrient package so we added those to our dry blend in the fall and made that first you know decision to go with uh crop removal recommendations versus what our soil sample was showing us interesting then 
and then at um, prior to heading, we made a combination of uh, azole and astrobe fungicide application because to the south of us there was a good bit of rust, and we wanted to protect that crop because it was uniform and and had great stand density, and so it looked really nice. And so we wanted to protect that with that. And then right at heading, we made another fertilizer application. We blended half urea and half ammonium sulfate and put on about 40 units of N and about 10 units of sulfur. And I think it enabled the crop to finish uh, very strong and healthy. Outstanding. Yeah, I, I like all those things that you're doing. I, I I think that's fantastic. The the flag leaf timing fungicide, I know, is a tough one for, for guys in our area because they're thinking, oh, maybe we'll make it to till that heads out and we can put something <laughs> out to protect a little bit later. But, boy, that is such a critical time. I'm glad you pulled the trigger on that. Well, and, and that was the thing, too, is, is that was in our area we had some other issues and they're – with rain, we couldn't get in there with a the ground rig to do it, and and the airplanes were getting late, so we pulled that trigger early in anticipating we could get it done timely versus if we waited till heading and made that application at that time. So uh, we just made those decisions a little, hopefully, that were timely and, and all. I do have one question sure. on, on for you. As we look at the Ag PhD crop nutrient. I understand because we've we've taken the grain off and we've hauled that to the elevator. That's gone. I get that. But my question is, when you look at the stover or the the straw and residue, now we didn't bale any of that. We on our combines, we you know we spread that back on the field. But how much of that in that removal that's in the straw can I count on getting back into next year, maybe into next year's corn crop? You know, that's that's a really good question. That's a good way of looking at it because a lot of guys are asking us, well, if I bail, how much of that have I taken off? And it's hard to know. You just have to test the feed if you're or the stover if you're doing that. But when you're leaving mm-hmm. it in the field, you've got all those root systems that are still yet to break down. And theoretically, there's as much in the root system as there is in the above ground portion. So yeah, how, okay. how many nutrients are you going to be able to make available next year? It really depends on what kind of microbial activity you have. Do you see all that stover broken down by the end of next year's crop? If so, I would venture to guess you got most of that. But I know on our farm, we generally see a little bit of stover that doesn't break down through the season. But maybe where you're at with a warmer climate, you might have a better shot at that than we do. Well, and I think we may, because of our climate versus South Dakota, we're going to make some decisions pretty quick because we're going to strip till back into that into that straw and for our heavy what we're trying to do is build our organic matter with that root system awesome awesome i love i love that reggie hey reggie we're up against a break here if you want to continue i'd love to talk to you a little bit more right after this listening to ag phd radio stay tuned we now bring you an important news bulletin This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. 
Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Bill wants plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, and you see how we're kicking the show off. We've already got Reggie on with us down in Texas asking great questions and talking about some of the positive changes that he made on his farm this year to make this an even better year than it would have been otherwise. Uh, Reggie, first of all, kudos to you making those changes. I know it takes some guts to do that, and especially you're talking about fertility changes. That takes some dollars too, so not just guts, but you got to stick some money on the line, which is fun because now you get to learn. And we got talking here for anyone who's just joining us. Just before the break, uh, Reggie had a great question. He said, okay, so on our nutrient removal app, the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app, it's a free download. You can you can download it at the um, Google or Apple store for, for your smartphone or tablet. They've, there's a grain portion of nutrient removal for the crop and a stover component. And Reggie had a great question. That stover is still in the field. They spread the residue on top of the ground and left the root system intact. How much of that stover can he count on getting into next year's crop? And I just mentioned here in South Dakota, we probably aren't going to get all of that residue to break down, but we're going to get quite a bit of it. But in Texas, maybe with a little longer growing season, a little more heat, uh, if you get moisture and have good microbial activity, you might get quite a bit of that. Okay. And one other thing we're going to do this, that we've now found a source for chicken litter. And so in mid-September, before we strip, we're going to apply that chicken litter. Uh, it'll be based on the analysis, but probably between two and three and a half times. Will that increase my microbial activity to break that straw down? I believe it will. You'll be putting some microbes out there for sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And, you know, there, there are other things out there you could do. I mean, you can always put on some nitrogen, but you're going to have quite a bit of nitrogen in that chicken litter. So... Yeah, I think that'll be I think that'll be fun to see. The guys that are using chicken litter and we have used a little bit on our farm, but haven't haven't had a huge amount. We don't have a ton of poultry around us and we had to truck this in from right. our ways just to take a look at it. But it really did it really did work and the guys that use chicken litter on a regular basis are, are big fans. Well and that's we've 
found a source that's it's going to have some trucking cost obviously with it that's a little greater than the average for down here but but i've just seen and read so many benefits of using chicken litter manuring you know both hog and beef and chicken how, how it's just enhanced the, the uh, soil profile sure Sure. Hey, I, we were talking earlier too about your wheat and and that you had some rust in the area and you were putting on fungicides to protect against that. How about in the grass hay? Did the grass hay have any issues with disease? Uh, what we're on is permanent grass, so it's coastal Bermuda. We have uh, our key issues are broadleaf weeds that we manage pretty well with Grazon Next. And then we have some uh, grassy weed species. But disease-wise, we really haven't had any issues with uh, mildews or other diseases in the in the coastal Bermuda. Sure, sure. Is the market pretty good for grass hay right now in Texas? It is, yes, sir, because we focus, we have a, a, a square bale business, and, and so we have the equipment to handle that. And we focus on providing a quality hay to the horse producers, and they... They want it to be green, and they want it to be clean, and have a relatively high nutrient, you know, or um, forage quality and stuff. And so we focused on selling into that market to feed stores and and horse stables, and and making it easy for them to haul. They're not they're not doing it like when I was a kid, one bale at a time. We put it up in twenty one bale bundles and can load it on our semis, take it to the stores, unload it with a forklift or a you know, a skid steer and put it in the in the facility and then they can sell it out as they do. So we, we focus on a little bit of added value, not just, you know, not just selling on a by-the-ton basis for grass hay. But that's, we, that's likewise, awesome. we, we, you know, we, we really like the app that you guys have, the fertilizer, because it lets us plan on what we fertilize between cuttings. We're fortunate enough this year we're going to have at least three cuttings and uh, they've all been at or above average on yield uh, wise, but we really like that app because we can go back in and say, okay, well, we need to add some more. We were just going to use nitrogen or sulfur, and this way it enables us to put on, you know, what we've removed, including potash and including micronutrients. We use a good bit of the micro 500, I think, that you guys have have uh, worked with, sure. with agricultural liquid as well and stuff. So those are some things we've changed in our program to grow more consistent and higher quality Bermuda hay. That is fantastic. Reggie, I'm just going to tease you, though. One thing you mentioned, you've got, you've really changed how you're doing these square bales. Now you have these square bale bundles. And I just heard somebody speaking earlier this week, and they said uh, they had grown up in Texas baling small square bales in the middle of the summer. They said, boy, if you want to teach somebody about hard work, uh, that's hard work. So I'm not saying that it's not hard work anymore, but just maybe not quite as physically intensive. No, it's not. It's uh, certainly in, in our availability of help is is an issue, and, and I can we have tractor drivers and, and skid steer drivers, and so we can, and they can operate that in a, in an air conditioned cab. So that's a little more user friendly than absolutely walking alongside a trailer and throwing it up <laughs> on the trailer. <laughs> well, whoever came up with that uh, that bundles up the bales like that must have bailed themselves at one time and said this has <laughs> to sure. change. <laughs> oh man it's great talking to you reggie we really appreciate it. i'm so glad your crop turned out well and good luck to you here heading into the fall 
All right. Thanks. Wish you guys a safe and a very abundant harvest also. Okay. Thank oh, you. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. Uh, let's head over to Minnesota. Get Brandon on with us right now. Brandon, how are you doing today? Oh, good. Darren, how are you? Well, doing pretty well. Now, I know Minnesota, the weather was quite variable this year. Some guys caught mm-hmm. some rain. Some guys sure didn't. How did your farm fare? Well, we're about an hour and a half south of the Twin Cities, kind of right in between Rochester and Mankato. And, uh, you know, we got going real early. I think we, you know, started planting April 15th or so and then uh, stayed dry and, and uh, caught some timely rains. But then uh, come July and August, uh, I think we got two inches in the last and then maybe a little over two inches, um, I would say, in those two months. So pretty dry. Uh, things started to burn up a little bit, but uh, caught three inches of rain last night. So, um not, yeah, not sure if uh, I think at this point I think the 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 biggest thing that that'll benefit is just the stock quality. You know, been hearing some things about uh, cannibalizing stocks and stuff like that. So on sure. the corn, so sure, so, yeah, um, I, yeah. I looked at it for, for it for our farm too. That last rain that we've gotten has uh, you know there's still a lot of nutrients in the soil that we couldn't get because it was just too dry. It gives us one mm-hmm. more shot for another flush of them even though it's pretty late in the corn we're going to make more kernels, but they're still they haven't black layered yet, so we still got a chance right. to add a little bit more to those kernels. I hope it helps. Yeah, yeah, I checked uh all early this week and we were about half milk line on our early stuff. So I figured I don't know, 2-3 weeks it'll probably be at black layer. So yeah, we still got some a little bit of time to pack in some test weight and stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say anywhere where we had good black soil this, this year, it held on just fine, yeah. even through the lack of rain. But anywhere where it was, anywhere where, uh, you know, the soil was, was lighter, it burned up in a hurry. So, yeah. But all in all, I mean, I, I am surprised at how well the crop held on for as little rain as we got. Uh, really impressed me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I know these are the kinds of years that my my grandparents would say, here's where the good ground is going to pay off. Yep, it costs you a little more to start with, but on a year like this, uh, that's that's where you got it. And certainly where you're at, you've got some heavier dirt in in Minnesota. How about on the manure side? Are you guys still in the hog business, or do you have livestock around? Yeah, yeah, we have – we custom finish about 10,000 hogs a year and deal with that manure. So, yeah, that – Yep, we we're you know getting ready for that and and uh, yeah as well. Uh, I would say the manure looks the manure ground looks really really good this year. Um, put it on some of our best farms, but uh, yeah, that was um, uh, yeah that, that looks. I mean, it's still really green and and uh, been doing some ear counts out there and looks uh, looks to be above average at least in the places where it looks good now where it looks bad will that counterbalance you know know, that's the question that's that's the million dollar question yep well i'm glad to hear you got the hogs going for you because i just heard before the show fertilizer prices are at a nine-year high so having manure for that fertilizer source is going to be a pretty good thing hey brennan we got to run really thanks thanks for having you on really appreciate it hey thank you listening to ag phd radio on a farmer friday we'll be right back If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. (sighs) 
Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor herbicide brands. Always read and follow label directions. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll head out to Illinois next. I was just in Illinois this week. We got our friend Larry over there. Larry, how's it going? Oh, sorry, hit, sorry, Larry, hit the wrong button. Larry, how are you doing? Oh, great. If it were any better, it would have to be illegal. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's that's good. Yeah. You know, yeah, sorry I missed you there Wednesday. I was there on Tuesday, and boy, they got some really heavy winds. Tuesday night, yes. we came home and I had, had two inches of rain, which was wonderful, but it wasn't real widespread. No, I was but, driving in there yeah. Tuesday night and I actually pulled off the road for a while. I was kind of hungry, but I thought I'd make it all the way. And I said, you know, I'm just going to stop here at a restaurant for a little while and hang out and let this blow past. It was tough. That's pretty good. Pretty good idea. Yeah, it came up really fast. They were chasing sacks of popcorn all over the yard. All right, Larry, I know you get to do plenty of speaking, and, and when you think about strip-till and 
building soils, biology, uh, all, all those kinds of topics. Certainly there's a lot of interest as you travel around the country. What are some of the hot topics right now that you're getting asked about? Well, obviously, as you know, it's naturals, as you call them, but biologicals. And, and I mean, that was evident, evident at your field day. You know, you had uh, four or five vendors, and I got to talk to a bunch of them. But I think that's a lot of things. But, uh, you know, even in any case, with the prices being better, people are concerned about the prices of inputs. You know, I was just talking with one of my suppliers this morning, and, uh, yeah, they're thinking things are going to go higher, and we've got uh, – Anhydrous at about 715 bucks and 28% UAN at 306 and stuff. So it's it's quite a bit higher than it was a year ago. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. It's there's no question about that. And when we think about these biological or natural type products, a lot of them are nutrient solubilizers that we're seeing. And I think here's one of the things that I got for questions, Larry, and and you can tell me how what your take is on this. But but a lot of guys say, okay, so. How does it really work? I thought water pulled in nutrients to the roots, and I said, absolutely, it does. But how do those nutrients become available? It's soil microbial activity that, that are bringing them out so they can get into that solution and get pulled into the plant. Where does where do the biological, where does that piece fit, Larry? Because a lot of growers say, well, then I have them already in my field. Why do I need more or why do I need different ones? Well, we have a lot of nutrients, but a lot of those are tied up by clay colloids. And in a lot of places, we don't have the, the naturals, the biologicals there. So that's why we're, we're adding them, um, the endophytes, you know, all the fungi and stuff, trying to get it in there. Uh, we're actually testing seven naturals this spring, this, this summer. Uh, you know, and it ranges from uh, an algae product that's, you know, just a feed source to actually add in the specific endophytes that uh, nutrients need. But, you know, it's a combination because uh, all these microbes have to live off the exudates from the plant. So you got to have healthy plants, sending that down, and then it's a work back and forth relationship. But, uh, you know, if you have good healthy soils, which we're pretty fortunate over the years to build up pretty good soils, but, um, we finally had a bunch of most of our uh, Tests were over 5.0 on organic matter, so we are making some progress. And I think a lot of it is the reduced tillage, the strip till, but now we're concentrating on feeding the plants just right at the right time. I, I was talking to a friend in Texas, and he kind of blew my theory because um, he was in the middle of Texas, and they raised 135 bushel corn, and he put all of his fertilizer on with the planter totally, and it went about a 187 this year. So wow. That was yeah, that really surprised me. But, you know, when I try and f work through that, you know, I think they've got a lot less rain and moisture to, to take some of those nutrients out of the ground. And we wouldn't, I wouldn't possibly think of that. You know, I mean, we're, we're not putting anything on in the fall when we build our strips. We're just putting down some uh, oceanic hydrosylates and fish fertilizer to try and get a good calcium thing. And, and that really showed up on our, uh, our sap test and stuff that we, we had gotten that job done. But, awesome. uh, you know, on the plant, yeah, it was, it's kind of one other thing too, you know, sulfur, 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 oh, yes. seeing so much. And, um, we had a, a situation where, um, I was putting it through my insecticide boxes and, uh, we couldn't get, uh, in with the humic. We had, uh, our regular, uh, source 
was out with COVID, so I went to a different supplier, and oh my gosh, was that a mistake? There's so much dust that plugged my boxes, so I quit for a while. After, but after we did about 70 acres, I said, well, duh, let's just do sulfur. So I put in like four to five pounds sulfur just right through the insecticide boxes, and my farmer's edge agronomist came one day, and they were looking at the um, all the photos, the, the uh, satellite photos, and he said, hey, what's going on in this field here? It's green on the top, but it's really green right at this line. And I said, well, he said, is, is it all corn? I said, yeah. He said, is it a different hybrid? I said, no. Right there at that line is where I started putting sulfur in. And you could see it wow. in the, the satellite photos right to the right to the row. It, it was an epiphany for me. You know, a lot of times, yeah. Larry, and that brings up a good point, a lot of times people see crop that isn't as dark green as they'd like, and they say, oh, you better add more nitrogen, but there's a lot more that goes into that. And I agree with you 100%. Sulfur has just been so helpful for our crop, and we're, we're just hearing from so many different farmers with – Virtually every crop, they're they're seeing some boost out of the sulfur. So I think that's that's a good thing. And the satellite imagery, if it shows up on that, uh, wow, you know you're making a huge difference out in the field. So it, it's fun to see what the yields come off when you get visual differences like right. that. Yeah, we're we're kind of in the garden spot. Uh, you know, I think we're 15 to 20 over our average, but there's going to be some 300 bushel corn, and then you get over east of the river. You know, there's going to be some that's going to be more 185, 195. But, uh, you know, if we can just uh, maybe get another rain to help the beans, there's going to be 90 bushel beans again. But, wow. you know, 65 to, 65 to 85. I mean, things really look good. Um, that's you know, We were out with three, three agronomists in the field, and, you know, it's like 18 round and 42 long. That'll get you. That'll get you down the road. So. Yeah, it almost doesn't matter what your population is at that point. That's a heck of an year. So whatever you're doing, you're going to be going to be pretty successful. Now, let me ask you a question because you mentioned the strip till earlier. Uh, what have you seen with the difference with strip till and no till? I know both systems can really work, and both systems you can build organic matter in. Why why have you chosen strip till, and are you all strip till on your farm? Well, we'd like to be all strip till. Last fall, uh, unfortunately. Don't tell anybody, but I did more tillage than I'd done in the last year, 10 years altogether, because we were trying to get leveled up with some tile ruts and uh, just get some things straightened out. So it, it hurt my heart to see that uh, turned up as black as it was. But we did do where we'd gone with some vertical tillage. We did strip a field that was going into beans and, oh, my gosh, planting into the cover crops with RTK into those strips was just luscious. You know, I mean, it was just just wonderful. Um you know, and I've been talking to people, and uh, in fact, I just was talking with a fella in northwest Ohio, one of a friend's of mine, and he's saying, yeah, you know, boy, the no-till works good in some places, but some places it, it's just not, I mean, it's working, don't get me wrong, sure, but it's sure. just not quite, a, not quite as good. And I, I just am such a firm believer in strips that, if, you know, if I can uh, lightly vertical till all my corn stalks and... Uh, get strips in and then put my cover crop after that if I have time, that would be kind of ideal. But going into bean ground, which we rotate everything 50-50, and uh, yeah, I like the strips there. But it was kind of uh, a light of a sidebar. This spring, you know, we put uh, some more precision stuff on so that I could get uh, FurrowJet and put, you know, the hormones and energy and biological stuff in the right in the center uh, and then on the wings went with the fertility and, and stuff but uh, 
we didn't have enough room with that to put to use my two by two. So I really faked the neighbors out and went out before we planted and put 20 pounds, 20 gallons of nitrogen in a two by two. <laughs> and uh, they said, boy, you know, your corn's not coming up. And I said, what corn? They said, well, you went out and planted all your corn. It's not coming up. I said, well, we didn't plant yet. We just, we just went out for practice and put nitrogen on. And so Absolutely. Anyway. That's awesome. That's awesome. I would love to have yeah. a little video of guys kind of gawking at that. <laughs> My dad used to get the planter out early and just drive it around the section just to get guys talking and wondering how crazy he was being out as early as it would be. But uh, no, that's, yeah. that's pretty interesting. That, There's just so many jobs that, that guys got to get done. Yeah. And that would do that. But I mean, I have 24 V-Apply Flexes on, and I was using all of them for just the furrow jets. I didn't have anything left for my 2 by 2 Well, Larry, it's great talking to you here. Thank you so much, and good luck this fall. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther power in your tank. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD-TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday. That means we've got our phone lines open all throughout the show, and we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how things are going on your farm, or if you have any agronomic questions we can help you with, 844-44-AG-PHD. And we've got a, a fairly frequent guest lately on with us right now, Tony Wendler with Farm Shop MFG, because we keep getting more questions for Tony. Tony, I don't know what's going on, but every time you come on, you generate more questions. Well, that's a, that's a perfect world. We've got people thinking about uh, what they're doing, what they need to do, and uh, what decisions they might need to make as they come into harvest here, moisture managing their crops, uh, adding uh, moisture back to their beans, things like that. Yeah, Love I, to hear about it. Well, I think the 5 to $6 corn has been the topic this week that we've heard more feedback on, and guys saying, you know what, there's a pretty good premium, 50 cents to a dollar in some cases, if I can get my corn in in a couple of weeks rather than in four to six weeks. So if I hit black layer, how wet could I actually take the corn and how wet could I actually put it in a bin and start drying that down? Are we getting the right weather even for this drying in the bin, Tony, with the way these pop-up showers have been coming around? I am going to vote that in the Western corn belt, uh, expecting that the, uh, Humidities are going to go back to what we've had here in August and July and clear back to May and April, what it seems like. I'm going to say yes over here. Eastern Corn Belt uh, up to the uh, Ohio River Valley, a lot of rain over there. i got to believe they've got a lot of humidity. And if you're going to get anything done there, you need uh, gas. Uh, you're going to have to burn some LP to get it done or natural gas, whichever, to, uh, to get it done. One of the things, there's a couple of things, if anybody's thinking about doing the bin, uh, they've got to think about a couple of things. You can't pile it deep. Uh, depending on your fan type, your natural air drying, you need to uh, axial flow fans, 18 to 20 feet of grain depth, some trifocal flow fans, uh, 24 to 26 feet of grain depth. Anything beyond that, do not plan on anything happening rapidly, if at all. That's... Uh, that's a recipe for a problem, having a really tall bin and trying to natural air dry very much moisture out of there. Yeah, so that's, there's, uh, there's, a, there's an art to this, isn't there? There, there is. And, uh, you know, to get it precise, you know, I've worked with situations. I can nail it with my controls really well. The, in terms of not over drying the bottom, if you want to get it right there at 15%, uh, you can do it uh, very successfully, but it takes time. You know, as long as you got time, when I'm looking at natural air drying, if I got a couple points, three points of moisture I need to take out, I don't want to commit to selling it this fall. So uh, if you need to get it out of there this fall, you uh, you might want to be uh, looking at running it through a dryer and knocking a little bit of moisture off. One of the things you can do is is dump it hot. Uh, let the fans, the bin, if you dump that stuff around 100 degrees, you can take a point and a half of moisture off in the bin, cooling it down. So that's a way to make things go faster, cheaper uh, along that topic. The, um, like an end zone control, whether you're storing in a big bin or you're doing like what you're talking here, uh, we set in here in the Western Corn Belt, we've had a lot of low humidity days. You want to set your humidity so that uh, the fans don't run when the humidity drops too low, just like in beans. Drops down below uh, around 67, 68% on a normal working fall day. You want to shut the fans off because 
that's going to over dry. Now, if you're willing to strip the moisture off the bottom green and take it down to, you know, wherever it's going to be, 10, 11, 12%, let the fan run. The other end, you're just wasting electricity when the uh, outside humidities give a, get above about 80, 85%, you're just wasting electricity. So you might as well shut them off on that end too. As long as fans are running frequently, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be fine, but you don't want to sit, see things shut off when you start moving moisture fronts. Let it shut off and sit for a couple of days. That's bad. If it's running every day for uh, hours and then shutting off for a couple hours in the afternoon, a couple hours in the middle of the night, not a big deal. You can work right around that. Uh, and uh, the, one of the big things is, like you're talking, getting that premium, you can target that, and you can have that bin come out uh, 15% from bottom to top, really uniform. Well, if you, if, uh, if you can cash in on that premium, Tony, you can pay for this whole system in one year, easy, and then some. So it's it's yeah. a good deal. I'm not suggesting you charge more for for bin fan controls, but I am I'm suggesting to farmers that uh, it's not too late. So that's the other question that we've been getting, Tony. That that guys are saying, well, okay, I'm I'm in. It sounds like a good idea. I'll do this in 2022. And my follow up is, well, why wouldn't you do it today? So I don't know what is supply like. Can you get bin fan controls right now, or are guys a year out now? Now we're still. We are a few weeks out. Uh, you know, what we've got right now in in production, uh, we've got a, a bunch coming off that are sold, and uh, we'll be finishing them up. Depending on what I do, I could probably get them finished up this weekend or it'll be early next week. The uh, We've got another uh, another batch coming in that we've got some sold on, but there's still some available. And uh, we're kicking out a batch about every two weeks right now. Okay. So... Uh, there's there's product available. Get your name on it. Uh, the uh, the fan control, everything's in the outside of the bin. Uh, you can put it with monitors that slave to the fan control, and then you can set it that uh, when this grain get hit hits this moisture, quit asking for the fan to run. And when all of the sensors have reached their target, the fan won't run anymore. So you can set it up that way. Now that stuff has to be in the bin, but those products we can ship now. We have them uh, here and assembled, and we could ship those in a couple days' time period. You can get them in the bin. Two, three weeks, you'll have the uh, other components uh, that go on the outside of the bin and have everything working together. All right, again, we're talking with Tony so, Wendler here with Farm Shop MFG. So you can just go to Tony's website, farmshopmfg.com. Tony, uh, the other question that we've gotten in for you recently, uh, mainly around corn, but I think the same thing is going to happen with beans. We've got fields that are really uneven. They're green in the valleys. They're burning up on the hills. We know the moisture is going to be really uneven as we're harvesting this. And obviously, if you're hauling it to the elevator, that kind of all blends together. And you don't have to worry about it once you dump it. But if you're bringing it home in the bin, you do have to worry about it. So how about evening up moisture in the bin when it's kind of going to go in there all at the same time and all mixed together? Does that work out for guys or there's some things to watch out for? Uh my uh, recipe for doing that, uh, there's, there's two ways to do it. Uh, if, um, if it's uneven and you're leaning towards the low side, uh, below 13%, then uh, I'm going to just uh, get a little more aggressive and put uh, moist air in there. The drier stuff's going to take it on quicker, and I'm going to just push a moisture front through it. It's not really moisture front. Beans, to me, are different than corn. 
they will all take on moisture to the extent that moist air goes by the seed. The, uh, so you can, you can bring it up. On, if we do something, if we look at another way that maybe it's like uh, 12 to 14, and we're trying to even up around 13, then I'm going to run a band. I'll run a narrower band plus or minus my target and let those fans run whenever the uh, humidity is in a range to support that. And uh, it can take time. Uh, if you've got things that are, if you can hang around that humidity for long periods during the day, you can actually even it up in a few weeks. Um, last fall took several months. I did it to my bin, and it took um, September, October, all bad air. November, it took me till November to get it done. Wow. So that's a kind of a characteristic that, and I got one question with, for you too, before you let me go. All right. Um, um, I'm sitting right here on the Minnesota border and we're getting all these rains finally coming through this last week. Um, what, uh, where you've got beans out there that are turning and you've got some that are green and some are, uh, have a few yellow leaves. How much pod fill is still happening? Oh, great question. Okay, we're getting this one a bunch. I just got a half a minute here before our break, but I'll give it my best shot. So what you want to do is split open pods, and you can see if those beans are still attached to the pod wall. There's a membrane there that hooks them together. If so, it's kind of like on corn. You haven't reached black layer yet, so you can still influence what's going in that kernel, even if you're starting to see some yellow out in the field, some leaves are starting to turn yellow. So just open up the pods. That's where you can tell if you're still going to get some help with these late rains. Been talking with Tony Wendler, always a great guest on the show. We'll get back to more of your calls right after this. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. 
Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weed Control System, just better, with no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844 44 Ag PhD, and you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Got Grant on with us now out in Pennsylvania. Grant, thanks for joining us today. Hey, good to be here. Good to be here. So, how are crops looking out your way? Well, I think uh, real clear. We're going to be close to. Uh, uh, well, all-time high yield levels in, in many areas. Seems like we had just the right amount of rain, the right time, and uh, very little corn stress from dry weather. So there's some really big yields in the fields. Uh, guys that have taken off vegetable crops had a good year. In fact, some of the vegetables did so well that they overproduced for the, the amount they had contracted. So there's actually some fields you can find a lot of vegetables in it were overproduced. Uh, the tobacco crop's really been good. A lot of it's been harvested and is being harvested. Uh, dairymen are getting set for bringing silage crops in, and they're going to have some high tonnage and a lot of grain, so they're going to have a pretty good feed value in their in their silage. So, yeah, pretty good in this immediate area around southeast Pennsylvania. Excellent. That That is really fun. And, you know, it doesn't often hit when prices are good, but when you get that double whammy of great yields and really good prices, uh, that's kind of a, a big, big deal. So glad for the farmers there. As you look towards uh, towards next year, what are you seeing with the, the farms? Is everybody talking about running the same plan going into this fall as normal, or is this fall going to offer some opportunities to do some things they've been putting off for a while? Well, I think they're they're kind of cautious. I mean, uh, on my operation, I'm cautious with the fertilizer prices of where they are. Um, we're waiting to see where seeds going to settle out, and and the chemicals. Seems like whenever there's a bigger piece to grab, everybody's grabbing for it. So, guys are just a little cautious. Some of the guys that wanted to expand and do some extra things in the field are a little bit cautious doing that. Not sure it's a good time to build soil fertility, and in fact, uh, some of the some of the guys I've been talking to are trying to look for ways to be as efficient next year with fertilizers as they possibly can be, because they know it's not a 
at least it's not looking like it's going to be a good time to try to build soil fertility. We're getting the so same talk for, going out here, Grant. The the being efficient with fertility is probably one of the bigger things because you're right. The what we're hearing anyway is seed prices up, chem prices up, and supply on chem is kind of tight, and fertilizer is high price. Some guys are saying they're even having a hard time getting a price on some of the fertilizer. So when you think about efficient, are you talking about banding? And if so, what, what's been working there? Is it more strip till or, or what do guys do when they have to band? Do they band with the planter? For the most part, yeah, banding with the planter, uh, trying to look at, since we have so much no-till in the state, a lot of guys look at banding half their phosphorus in the row if they can do that and uh, then banding out to the side, you know, two, three, four inches away from the row. A lot of guys are cutting a lot of liquid nitrogen in. So they're doing those kind of things. There's some, some newer technologies out there uh, to increase the, the nutrient availability. In other words, there's a, a Ag Explorers come out with a product that's uh, called Microcoat. Put that on dry granular potash, DAP and MAP. And the, it's a new technology it's looking like it's going to increase uh, phosphorus uh, availability from fertilizer almost double and and the potash fertilizers by about 50 percent if we're looking at just feeding the crop for this year without you know putting on what we need we're going to have to be sure we're, we're highly efficient in doing that uh, when we can't work at building the soil that's well, we've had some good crops out here so the soil's in a little bit of a depleted state and now all of a sudden it's almost too expensive to build it. So these kind of technologies can help us to make efficient use of what we do put out there. How about cover crop, Grant? Because we, we certainly know we've got some nitrogen-producing cover crop options. How much nitrogen can we add to the soil that way rather than having to buy commercial stuff? I think anywhere from 60 to 120 pounds. Uh, in the southeast part of the state where we have a little bit longer growing season, we can come in there after some silage crops and put some legumes in and get some pretty good, you know, capture of nitrogen. When you go further north in the state and the growing season gets shorter, that becomes more and more of a challenge. Uh, and then you get to the old double whammy again. You are later putting it in. You don't want to be real late putting the next crop in, the corn back in, because shorter season growing season in the northern part of the state so kind of closes down on both ends but in the southeast southern tier we can capture a good bit of nitrogen with legumes but they have to be gotten in after a silage crop after a grain crop there's there's really not sufficient time to get them established to do a good job right right you know one of the things i know we've been talking about for our farm is just doing some especially on the newer ground that we've got doing soil testing this fall so we can really dial in this fertility and be like you said before be as efficient as we can so we can target these areas that we desperately need a little bit more and find some areas also where we built things up a lot that maybe we take a year off or, or just cut way back and just go crop removal on a couple of spots are, are guys doing the same type of thing there with testing Oh, very much so. Uh, you know, we're a lot of guys now uh, from the broad array of talk from Ag PhD and, and a lot of the consultants now, they're looking at, at potash in that 7% range. That hasn't been a, a common thing in Southeast PA because so many of the historic farms were dairy farms. You had alfalfa in the rotation 
if you ran potash to 7% CEC base saturation, you're going to have alfalfa luxury consuming. But with less dairy and then less alfalfa where there is dairy, guys are running the potash on up, that's your target 7% uh, base saturation in a, like a small grain, for instance, rye for rileage and corn for corn silage. They're looking to run that number up higher. And that becomes a problem to, to maintain it because if you take a rileage crop and a corn silage crop off, you're removing an awful lot of nutrients. Absolutely. But where you where you do have some extra, yeah, guys are going to look at, hey, not 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 going overboard because let's let's do some investing of what's already in the bank. Yeah, there's just so much that goes into this, and and a lot of times it takes experience and just years of, hey, here's what we've done, here's the responses we've got. It's why we always like it when we get a chance to talk with Grant out in Pennsylvania. Uh, been through it and uh, going through it again this year, like you said. It's a, a cautious fall season with high prices and just uh, – and, and you got record crops where you know you need to replace a lot of fertilizer. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out for sure, but really appreciate you sharing a little bit of that thought process with us grant and good luck to you and all your folks that you're working with out there in pennsylvania thanks darren you bet yeah this harvest season is going to be interesting and and so i'm so glad when we hear there are areas like uh, like larry was talking about in illinois there's some areas of great crops there and grant was saying man there's gonna be some record yields for for the guys that caught the timely rains and never really went through that drought stress, heat stress that, that we had in other areas, uh, they were able to manage that a lot better when, when they had timely rainfall. So that that's pretty cool. I think the other thing uh, that he brought up was just cover crops producing nitrogen, if you've got enough season to do that. And he was mentioning a pretty wide range there of, you know, they're seeing the guys to the north maybe getting 60 pounds of N produced out of some of these legumes, but guys further south that had a little more growing season, they could get a little more growth out of that, could get 120 pounds. And it's something to think about as you get into this fall, if you haven't done that before and you have a little bit of time, I know Brian and I are going to do a little bit more with cover crops on our farm than we have because a lot of times in our corn and soybean crop, man, we are up to freezing ground by the time we're pulling crops out and we just haven't had luck because of the lack of moisture of seeding into a standing crop. We, we've been better off if we could harvest and then get something into the soil but again that that opportunity varies depending on year but this year as we're cutting silage earlier than we've ever done it just like what grant was saying for the guys in pennsylvania that are cutting silage here soon you got some time you could actually do, get some good growth out of the right cover crops so that's something you'll probably hear us talking a little bit more about this fall we'd also love to hear from you love to hear the feedback as we look at this fall with High fertility prices, I uh, just heard on Rural Radio here earlier today, this is the highest it's been in nine years for fertility prices. So it's up there pretty good, not to scare you with that, but just you got to make some really good thoughtful decisions for your farm because it's really going to impact your profitability, how you handle the fertilizer piece. Obviously, you need seed and you need to control weeds and those types of things, but that fertilizer piece is going to be a big discussion this fall. Thanks for listening to our program today. Always have fun on a Farmer Friday taking your calls and questions. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.